Logan Nicholas. I'm Chad Rutherford. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kenny. And today we're going to be talking about Metroid Fusion. Metroid Fusion was a game that came out in 2003 on the Game Boy Advance and was developed by Nintendo's R&D 1 and published by Nintendo. So, Metroid Fusion uh, belongs to, obviously, the Metroid series and largely to the, like, action-adventure, or as people have started calling these type of games, Metroidvania games. And I feel like the Metroidvania uh, genre title... Yeah, yeah. subgenre. Yeah, is sort of a misnomer, because really, traditional Metroid games and traditional Castlevania games don't share all that much in common, with the exception of the fact that they are, like... 2D shot from the side games yeah. where you navigate a map. Yeah, like a it really just refers to the way like the maps are designed, like mm-hmm. the, the 2D layouts. And well, I think Metroid Fusion is closer generally to traditional Castlevania games uh, than other Metroid games are. Uh, I, I still like Metroid because this is the first Metroid game we've talked about. Right. Yes. Is this the first Metroid game you guys have experience with? Oh, no. No. <laughs> it's the first one I've ever played for more than a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. I have a history of just, like, not really gelling with Metroid. I know you tried some of the Primes. Have yeah, I've never guys... tried a 2D Metroid before. Oh, okay. So uh, you haven't okay. either have tried Super either? Well, I have played Metroid, Super Metroid, and Metroid Zero Mission, in addition to Metroid Fusion. Oh, you lucky bastard yeah, the, Zero Mission. <laughs> the only Metroid 2D Metroid game that I'm aware of that I haven't played is Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. Which is fine. Uh, it's supposed to be really good and just often overlooked. I know that somebody just recently made like a remake of it. Oh. Like an indie remake, and I kind of want to try that. Because I, I assume that would remove the biggest problem people constantly talk about with this, that game, which is how much of the screen Samus takes up. Especially <laughs> one of my earliest it's an memories. original Game Boy game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, when my sister had a Game Boy... Uh, like, the one game I remember that she had for it was Metroid 2. So I played through, like, I attempted to play through the first level of the game many times and failed. Mm. Well, <laughs> the thing about uh, original Metroid games that sets them apart from other games in the perceived genre uh, is that I feel like Metroid games nail exploration in a way that the majority of other games in this style really don't, in that they kind of drop you in on a planet with uh, no real information aside from like a very basic understanding of what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And you are, through their level design, supposed to figure out where you need to go, where you can't go, and where to get things. Metro Fusion yeah. <laughs> is sort of the opposite of this and railroads you very, very hard. I sort of, uh, when thinking about this, because it was, this is generally a weird decision on their part, mm-hmm. right? To, to take a series that, and this is like a direct sequel to Super Metroid, this one. Yep. So they're coming off of something that's heritage as like one of the best games ever, and they wanted to change from like the core design conceits <laughs> of it. It's like they decided to take the Metroidvania style and sort of twist it, like, fuse, perhaps, with as much <laughs> Zelda DNA as possible. This game, especially since I've played a whole lot of Metroid games, reminds me... I've never played, it like, a 2D Zelda, but it reminds me more of the style of play that I go through in, like, the 3D-era Zelda games than anything else. 
Huh. I can kind of see that. Um, I should I should get this out of the way fairly quickly. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna leave any like surprise for the audience, I Ooh. guess. But I really like this game. So these things, in my mind at least, make it a still a positive experience. Though it is, I think, pretty different, at least in in the way that it feels to play oh, than yeah. games like Super Metroid. Super Metroid is to this day my favorite. Metroid game, and this game is actually second, uh, at the very least, in the 2D realm. Mm-hmm. I'd probably put Prime pretty close to it if I were to include it. So I really like this game, but I don't. I don't like it for the same reason that I like other Metroid games. Yeah, it's a very different experience. Mm. Um, for one thing, I think that the tone of these games has literally from the first Metroid really set itself up for the entire series, where it's this, like, cold, dark, sci-fi, like, story without any words. (laughs) And then Metroid Fusion gave it words. So many words. (laughs) I mean, so many words by Metroid standards. Right, yeah. By video game standards, this is like an average to below average number of words. True. It's definitely below average. (laughs) It just feels so out of place yeah. for the, the series. And even though it's below average, it didn't stop me from the first, like, one to two hours of play of being like, stop making me go to navigation rooms! Yeah. Like, it still got under my skin. I have no, like, reference, because, as I, I stated before, I've never been a Metroid fan. Mm. But it kind of struck me like they took the ideas behind the way like, other Metroid games are designed and combined it to, like, the individual areas. Like, you're told which area to go to and what sequence to do it, but when you're in the area, you aren't really given much, like, guidance of, like, what to do. Right. You have they a do map. still put they a, do have t- a they put a target on the map. Yeah. And that is different than in... But you usually have to find... It's, the, way, the, the regular way to get to the target is usually blocked off and you have to find a way... Right around to where you need to go, though. The okay. thing that, because uh, something that has been in other Metroid games, I'm actually struggling to remember if this was in like the NES Metroid or if this was something that was introduced in Super Metroid. But when there's like an item pickup in an, in a room, it marks that room on your map, and then once you get it, it changes the icon. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the the fact that they block off parts of the map. Uh, that you have to sort of, like, actually commit to memory and remember that there are blockages in places, uh, was driven home for me the, probably about the fourth time that I entered that room, uh, on the main deck that has, like, the crumpled, oh, like, yeah. piece of, the of electronics. Room. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't go down there. Fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to go, like, up the elevator and then through the, the shaft in the back, but, the man... You're correct that it's, it, this isn't like a truly handholdy experience, at least not in the way that a lot of people complain about with like more modern console wide audience appeal games. But like there isn't like just an arrow on screen that's always relative to yeah. the environment pointing where to go, because you don't know the content of the room. So like you'll enter the room and within the, and your map it'll just be a block, but there's always distinct challenges and ways that you have to navigate within the context of that room. It it feels like they just kind of tried to streamline like the Metroid design philosophy. And they probably also took into the account that it's portable, mm-hmm. and like you, the navigation rooms are there. So like, if you've turned it off and not played it for a week, you could come back 
when you're on a plane or in the car or whatever, <laughs> turn it back on, go to the navigation room, it tells you what you were doing, and then you can do it. Mm. And this came out in 2003, which uh, I'm not 100% sure if that was pre or post the existence of the uh, Game Boy Advance SP. Oh, I don't know about that either. I think probably pre, if I had to guess. Yeah. I know I didn't own an SP when it I played it. It had to have been like right around when that became a thing. Because this game feels like the kind of game that is like designed for that as opposed to a traditional Game Boy Advance. Because if you're playing this game uh, and then have to do something, your options with a regular Game Boy Advance are to leave it on and just sit it somewhere or turn it off and lose whatever progress you've made since the last time you hit a save room. Mm -hmm. And with the SP, you could at least, like, put it in sleep mode. It didn't have that. That's a DS thing. No, no, no. There's a sleep mode built into Metroid Fusion. Oh. You can, in the menu, you can hit L, and then it'll give you a little instructions where you press yes, and if you put it in sleep mode, you can hold both shoulder buttons and press select to, like, wake it up again. Right, it's very I weird. Know that. Yeah. Why couldn't you do that on a regular? Well, you could, but the thing is, like with the Game Boy, like if you were moving around, you would stick the Game Boy Advance in your pocket, and like God knows what happens in there. Right. right. But <laughs> Game Boy Advance SP, you could at least like close the little clamshell. Yeah. And then pocket that instead. Button defense. Yeah. But they were very conscious. Think... I clearly, I, if I had to guess, I'd, I'd probably speculate that the sleep mode was implemented before navigation rooms and the list of like concessions that they had to make to that, to that style of play in the modern era. Because you can imagine, like sleep mode removes a whole lot of the problems of these sessions and these sort of games being like 30 minutes to an, hour's long, to an hour long normally at a time and that not really being always amenable to travel and stuff. Right. Yeah. It makes it kind of curious as to why the Game Boy Advance was even chosen as the platform for this game. Because, like, what, I I don't, do you play, did you play, like, the cartridge version of this game? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so me and, me and Andy both played the Wii U virtual console release, and I have to say this game feels, like, a lot better to me as a console game than as a handheld. You gotta you keep it on the mind. TV. Mm -hmm. I played it on the gamepad. <laughs> Look at all these different <laughs> almost console. Yeah. yeah. Well, any like virtual console GBA games, just I always want to play them just on the gamepad. It's also really amusing to see the pixels blown up to the size of like a huge <laughs> yeah. TV. Yeah, I, I feel like they have to look way better on the gamepad. They, I, think, yeah, they I play do. it on. I in fact played it on a micro, <laughs> and it looked gorgeous. It was very pretty. <laughs> when you can see it, like yeah. if particles of dust <laughs> flew across the screen and it blocked out parts of your vision. <laughs> it, on the Game Boy micro it's in like 720p <laughs> but it's a photorealistic Samus <laughs> photorealistic and colorful but to answer your questions about why this wasn't just another console game mm -hmm. uh, it, this came into being in a world in which they were dedicated to trying to make a 3D Metroid game and that was still a world when that was a huge risk and criticized constantly by people yeah. And I know that when this game came out initially, a lot of people were like, isn't this just Super Metroid again? And they had to, like, very sternly explain that they were making a new Metroid game. Which is, like, a legitimate concern, really, because, like, Metroid games have not... With the, the, There are basically three Metroid games. 
Fusion, Super Metroid, and Metroid. And then every other, like, 2D Metroid game, which I think is just, like, Zero Mission and... Metroid 2? 2, yeah, are sort of very similar to other games in the series, with Zero Mission being just, like, an out-and-out remake. Yeah. And with Nintendo kind of having... uh, And doesn't Super Metroid even just, like, take place on the same planet as the original? No, um... With, like some of the same areas? Uh, partially, yes. Right. There's a very... Like, the first thing that you do in Super Metroid, which was one of the many fantastic things that it did, is have you sort of walk through, like, constant callback zones. You walk through most of the places you went in the original Metroid within the first, like, hour or so of Super Metroid, including where the final boss was. Right. You were, like, exploring ruins, and it made the tone better. <laughs> Whereas in this game, you're just sort of on a space station that's designed to simulate different It's like a biosphere. Yeah. yeah. I still think that the... Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, Chad? Yeah. I was, like, going to go into something, but you brought something that was really important. The fact that they've separated, like, the game, like, the station that you're on into different biomes is probably, like the hokiest game design concession <laughs> that they could have gone with, especially when you compare it to other Metroid games. Yeah. When I you're like, like, I'm in Norfair, and it's like, there's lava, and you like, this makes, like, some sense in the ecology of, like, a planet. Yeah. Whereas, this is like, go to knock the night zone. <laughs> <laughs> I think it works well enough for, like, a GBA game. Oh, and, yeah. like, and it isn't, like, the justification that, like, this is a place where they're studying, like, creatures from the planet from the first two games. Yeah, So they created all the biomes for those animals to live in. It is justification, but it is something that I'd lean more Chad's direction where I just would have preferred an environment that, even though it still has clear seams, like in Prime's case, the seams are just huge elevator travel times that just make it believable that you're going huge distances far away mm-hmm. when you're encountering these new biomes. But, yeah, really it just added to the fact that this whole game, I think intentionally, kind of felt claustrophobic. See, I really like that, though. Yeah. Why? It, um, I mean, I, I agree with that. I'm trying to, like... That. Part of what's something that's springing to mind is that it just like kind of reminds me of the kind of atmosphere that the alien movies have, which they were very much going for in this. Yeah, it just I I think it's just this kind of level design. I like I think it works better when it's confined to a smaller area for like my personal taste. Yeah, I think that's also part of the issue um, that I had with Prime. As Defensively, immediately, I love Metroid Prime. You'd better love yeah. it on this podcast. <laughs> but one of the issues that I did have with Metroid Prime, while the design is very similar to 2D Metroid games in terms of how they like created their levels, they're a lot more sort of... Well, first of all, there are any outdoor locations at all, uh, which is not really a thing that ever shows up in, in Metroid games. They typically are in like cave networks. But there, it's also a lot of the things that are in Metroid Prime are larger, like, spaces. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's a 3D game, so you can have this huge sense of scale, whereas yeah. everything in a handheld 2D game has to be confined to your screen and at a standardized, like, distance. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I was just, you know, that is uh, definitely a design difference between right. the two. And I think the kind of, like, exploration that the Metroid games have gets, like, overwhelming, like, for me personally like, in a bigger area. Like, when the places that you have to go back and check 
are confined to a smaller space, like it keeps things from getting frustrating to me. And like, you'll find what you're supposed to do a little bit quicker. Mm. And I think it just makes for like a better experience for me. Yeah. But, uh, oh, good. Oh, it just, this reminded me of the claustrophobia thing, going back to the comparisons we were talking about earlier to the maps. Like, it makes sense if they were going for sort of a claustrophobic, tense atmosphere for them to shift away from having no map and then you have to explore and find rooms yourself or find map stations that give you limited information, in which case you're, you start with nothing and you're slowly building out the information that you have. Whereas in this game, you start with incomplete information. So you think and feel like you know everything that's relevant and you have the exact path you need to go and the game continually subverts that. By right. Having you bust open a wall and, like, there's a whole network of behind-the-scenes yeah. areas. Um, the the alien comparison, actually, it makes a lot more sense because I was marinating on it. If you, if you take into account, like, if they actually, like, use that as, like, a strong inspiration... They did in the first They, one. like, yeah, they, like... The SAX fits perfectly into that, like mm -hmm. as a stand-in for like the Xenomorph. Yeah, you're like you're going through the ducks and stuff, like just trying to avoid it, and it might show up at any time. Right, and it's the alien Xenomorph, just means different shape. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. Uh, no, yeah, Alien absolutely was a a major influence on the series as a whole, and I also agree that like the the aspect of this game where you are being hunted, albeit it's pretty transparently scripted in this game when you encounter the SAX. Yeah. It's still, especially the moments where you're just, like, hiding in, effectively in a vent, and it, like, locks <laughs> underneath of you, are, are just intense, like, really well-done moments. Mm -hmm. I was sad that, that that same feature that were some of my best memories of playing the game when I was younger really didn't hold up as much on the second playthrough because I could see how transparent that they were. Mm -hmm. But I agree that on the first scene, even if you know they're scripted, you don't know when the scripted segments are coming, and that's good enough. And to you have don't know when they'll end, right? Either. Like when he's just gonna come get you, or she's just gonna come get you. Yeah. I think we can safely call it an it in this situation. Very but doesn't it. it like replicate her like completely? So it's there's also a female. But the zoom is one like the introductory screen zooms in, and there's some kind of like horrifying homunculus <laughs> visage behind the mask. It's just her armor with like goo in the inside. Right. Yeah. There's just like, but for some reason it had, it felt the need to like make eyes, yeah. as they all for some reason do. That we'll we will discuss like the the design of the enemies um, in a little bit. But the thing that I really wanted to get back to, uh, and all of this is actually played into it, so I'm glad that this is the tangent that we went on, um, is that I think the conveyance of tone in this game is uh, well. In my notes, I used the like okay sign emoji. Uh, <laughs> As someone who doesn't use emojis, can you translate that? Uh, into it's speech? spot on. Okay. It, is, uh, it is just right. Yeah, like... The specific example that I have written down is uh, uh, the foreshadowing moment with Ridley. Uh, if Oof. you... That's maybe my favorite moment from the game. Absolutely. When you walk in uh, to that area in, in the first... Uh, what do no, call it? Like main, the deck. main deck. The main deck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you go in that room, and like it's a room, and if you walk over to the wall, the camera just like pans over <laughs> to Ridley Frozen there. Oh, yeah, it's a great intentional slow pan. Yeah. It's so, like, that kind of like 
near cinematic like screen direction in a game like this is just like it's so unexpected because it isn't how you typically think of a game in this way it's sort of like a side scroller you like get to the next room and it goes ahead and shifts the camera and it follows you but then when that happens and then the music for this game is just like is also really good in that regard and so you end up sitting there seeing that happen while like the spooky music is playing and you're just like oh hey it's Ridley <laughs> especially since it really shows that even though this game was trying to go in a more like narrative focused linear direction they didn't give up all of the like good lessons that they learned from the Super Metroid days like that you never have to go into that room beforehand in fact there's no point there isn't anything I think for you to get there other than just that little sequence right. and you have to make the connection of like Oh man, if Ridley's frozen here, then the X is going to mimic it at some point, and that's or just don't make the connection and just enjoy it like that, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then forget about it, and then show up later and be like, "Fuck," <laughs> and then it crumbles, which is also good. They pull the they pull the rug out from under you twice with the Ridley in this game. Yeah, and I like that it's not the final boss either. Mm. Yeah. The final, well, well uh, mm, I don't know. We don't want to jump there yet. I know. Right. Ridley, historically, is almost never the final boss. Oh, well, I didn't know that. I, told, I know. It's just like a weird trend in the series. He's almost always the, like, second to final boss I like in all that. the games. Yeah. Me too. I also really like that in uh, uh, Super Metroid speed runs, they, they tend to do, like, there's a whole category for reverse boss order, and so Ridley is, like, the first boss they fight. What? Because <laughs> you can't, like, fight the final boss immediately, but they'll, like, do a sequence break and just kill Ridley on, like, no upgrades. It's really <laughs> impressive. On the linearity elements, one thing... Like, well, I do understand that there's definitely upsides to that in a game like... Even in a game like this that's generally so focused on open exploration, to being able to always know where you're supposed to go and to be able to come back and have the information about where you're supposed to go. I thought the game went a bit too far. Um, You probably didn't do this because you're not used to games like this, but the game has a habit of locking doors behind you. Doors that if you just follow the linearity wouldn't be relevant, Mm -hmm. but are relevant to people who are used to Metroidvania-style games. Like, um, when I started to to have trouble on a boss later in the game, a normal thing that I would do in games like this is just go back and just search for other stuff. And just, it allowed me to just have a break from, like, throwing myself into the meat grinder over and over again and maybe get a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. But I just often, I, in fact, I don't think I ever had that option, if I remember correctly. I was never able to go back far enough that where I was able to find any new materials. The worst was at the very end of the game where they, um, you can go down all the elevators after, like, right before you're about to head right to the end. You can go into all the sectors, mm-hmm. but all of the doors into the sectors after the save rooms are locked. So you go all that distance, and every single one's locked every time. Uh, well, I, I suspect that they didn't think that you were going to try more than one after you <laughs> saw that it was locked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that's. I'm of two minds on that, I guess, because that that wasn't really a problem that I had. Mm. But I'm gonna bring up Dark Souls, like we always do. <laughs> but one of my favorite things about Dark Souls is that because of its openness, if I uh, had trouble with something, I could just go do something else. Yeah. So I do think that is like a strength in game design. Yeah, I don't think... Like, I don't think that limit really... I don't know what it adds. Like, it... Oftentimes, 
it, it helps in the context of specific rooms or challenges in the Metroid series because you'll have these problems in these games often where you'll face a challenge or like a puzzle that you can't quite find the solution to but you don't know if it's because you're missing a critical like item or piece of progression gear or if you're doing something wrong. So often in these games they'll solve that by locking the door behind you like straight in the room so that you know like, oh, I don't have the ability to leave, I must be able to do this. But I, that's not what's going on here. Like, mm -hmm. It feels like they decided early on that they were going to go with a smaller scale and they just kind of stuck to their guns on that and that was just like one of the decisions that they made was to just, like, make it more linear. Right. And they didn't want you, like, running around, like, <laughs> sidetracking yourself for hours. Right. Well, you can still do that to an extent. The uh, the thing is, with the uh, with the locked doors at the end of the game, that's just a hard cutoff point. That's kind of just the way that, that a lot of games have that. It, for the most part in these games, and in Fusion specifically... If at some point you want, if you say, like, I want to go back to level four and just look around, you can do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only thing that really keeps you from being able to fully explore an area is just if you haven't gotten all of the, like, upgrades yet. Uh, the big ones, of course, being power bombs and uh, the phase beam. Once you have those, basically, you can explore to your heart's content, uh, mm -hmm. barring things that require the, the screw attack. Um, but, uh, in these, like, in this game specifically, I think that, uh, in, in regards to them, like, locking the doors behind you, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that so much where you immediately, like, understand that this is a challenge that you can complete, but it's almost like a point of pride in the Metroid community about these games, like, you can't get stuck in a Metroid game, um, barring, like, catastrophic, like, actual bugs and errors where you end up, like, outside of the map or something. Yeah. Um, but through the use of things like the one-way gates and, uh, obviously the ability-specific challenges, there's no... You cannot put yourself in a situation in this game where you can, like... You, you have to soft reset in order to go back to where you were before. Right. Uh, and... I, I think they do that through their level design a lot better than just saying, like, locking no. the door behind you is the way that it's... Like, I don't think that gives it enough credit. Yeah. Um, with, of course, the exception of that bullshit hidden pillar that was just, like, in the ground, because that was basically oh. the worst thing. Yeah, this game had a habit, and I don't have enough memory of Super Metroid <laughs> to know if this carried over, but... There are lots of tiny individual moments, like 5% of the time in the game, where I thought they just had unfair challenges. The stupid secret pillar that you get from that bomb at one time. I think yeah. The vent in the save room really gave me like a hard time. <laughs> that would... That's sort of subverting. There's lots of... There's yeah. like two or three times where the game just sort of breaks its own rules and you can just move behind objects without a yeah, whole lot of a hint. Yeah, there are things like... Uh... See, I thought that was just a Metroid thing, but apparently it's not. <laughs> no. It, it's not super... Like, um, the examples of, like, holes in the walls where when you jump, you'll, like, grab a ledge that you didn't expect to be there uh, is a thing that sort of is in the series. 
and I think a lot of it came from Metroid on the NES because they didn't have a lot they could do to signal secrets to you. So right. they just it's just like it's they like the Legend there. of Zelda yeah. where it's just like a thing that happens to be there, and if you know about it, you do. But you generally, do. they try to signal you. It's, yeah, it's it, you can tell it's still most of the challenges in this game is the reason why when you hit things with bombs. For in the most like video gamey ass out of tone thing, like just a fucking picture of what you need will come up on the block that you need to break <laughs> yeah. it. And they solved this problem way, way better in Metroid Prime with the scan visor, because it allowed you to just engage a mode where you could just acquire that information like in a way that made sense in the context of the game. I thought they should have given you the the whatever bombs like way earlier that the just power show, bombs showed you all the stuff in the room. Yeah. And that is like almost explicitly what they're used for because if you try using a power bomb on like a boss most of the time it doesn't, it doesn't them do at all. Anything, yeah. yeah. It's it's really because like basically the power bomb is where they're like just go ahead and roll back through the whole game and just and put, put a bomb on every on yeah. every screen. Yeah, see I didn't know if that was kind of a Metroid thing as well or if it was just this game. Because, like, I hate that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Like, going back and just, like, oh, I got to bomb everything now. It's, like, it feels like an adventure game problem where you, yeah. gotta, you, you, you hit start a wall. Trying. Well, the you try is... everything with everything. <laughs> and that's, a, that's a, a point of bad signaling in these games. Yeah. And in a lot of the later Metroid games, especially Prime, I think they removed almost all instances of that because you just always, you had, like, an information mode. Right. And, so long, and all you had to do was just remember where the special things were. Yeah. See, I just I didn't know whether or not like that was something that people liked about the Metroid games. I uh well I don't necessarily I don't want to say that like I like that that design and and would like to see it more often. Right cuz like I like secrets and everything. Mm. But, like I hate it when they do that you have to do that kind of thing to progress in the game. Right. It's th that's why I bring up the the hidden pillar um, specifically is because there that exists at least three times in this game, but only one time is it necessary to progress. Everything else is for, like, uh, like a missile upgrade or something. And I, I feel like they get away with the majority of the rest of those types of secrets because it's sort of an understood thing that, like, I want to say close to 70% of rooms that you're in have like a hidden block of some kind that's going to let you into another area. Yeah, but you so only, it's more of a challenge of finding it than knowing that it's there. But if you only know that if you've played other Metroid games though. I like agree. if this was your first one, right. you would have you would have to learn that the hard way. And well, you're at eight percent item acquisition. Yeah, and yeah. it like it hampers your enjoyment <laughs> of the game. I man, I don't necessarily I know. I, I don't mm. I just don't think that it necessarily uh is Something that is reliant on you having played other Metroid games. Oh, dude, I'm I've loved these this whole series, and I'm completely with Andy on this. I just think it's a signaling problem. Yeah, they've slowly <laughs> gotten better at it's, solving. It's something that's like unique to this franchise, and if you've never played it before, you'd have no clue that most rooms have secrets. Well, to go back to the Dark Souls comparison, I wouldn't have even known that illusory walls existed. True. I mean, that's if a, that's somebody the, didn't tell me. That's about the them. same problem. Right. I mean, there's just no. Hint to their existence. Yeah. And, but Dark Souls has the signal, the implied signaling mechanism of like the signs, the little things that you can write in the ground. Right. They had a whole lot of fucking re leeway with that because they were able to build in systems right. for players. To and they're never other. required to progress either. Yeah. 
Well, they're, well, yeah, but these, most of the sequences right. no, are yeah. not for No, I, I agree. It's like the same problem. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I just want to speak a little bit defensively on, on the secrets in this game because I feel like it's more obvious than you guys are giving it credit for their things around. Like, especially when... I think you, like, you slowly learn that that's the case, or maybe not even slowly. You, you, you soon, soon learn that that's the case, mm-hmm. but like... It could easily take you a while to realize just how many there are. Yeah, and my problem isn't even necessarily that, like, it doesn't make it clear to you how common secrets are. My problem is that the method by which you have to... The reliable method by which you can learn that is always annoying. Before you get the power bomb, you are just scanning areas with regular bombs. So you're just, like, like rolling along the floors and hitting stuff. Or you're going into every room and dropping a power bomb to see what gets revealed to you. Mm. It's and it's that sequence that I generally don't find enjoyable. I would have rather have had the game naturally inform me in some way before I had the the, the ability to find it that there was something there or something hinty, even if it wasn't as quite as overt as a picture of a missile on the ground. Okay. <laughs> Axiom Verge actually solves this problem with the little glitch. Oh yeah, the little that lets you know yeah. that there's like something up in the environment. It does, it does solve the problem to an extent, but it doesn't... I mean, uh, maybe not as elegantly as it could, but it does right. something about it. It does something that is immediately apparent without having to do... Yeah. The the pillar example, of course, is bullshit because you literally just have to drop a bomb in, in every square of this, like, yeah. this, like, one-screen room. But I feel like, with the mo- for the most part, if you roll into a corner and put a bomb and then, like, nothing happens, you're pretty safe to just move on. <laughs> I agree, and that's not the kind of issues that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I, mostly the things I'm talking about are the challenges like being able to just randomly go about, go behind the things in the environment right. this time, which was used a couple of times for pickups, but once also to progress in the water zone. Which is... Yeah, and the post-nightmare zone yep. in, in Aqua I know exactly what you're talking probably about. the worst uh, signal part of the game. I managed to either, by some miraculous... 13 year old memory just remember how to do that section yeah they did kind of signal that because i when i came back to that area the second time i just naturally found that because i was able to shoot through it to an enemy on the other side right yeah once you have the way yeah the wave beam not your plasma beam the plasma beam is the one that shoots through enemies but not walls yeah so the plasma beam is, is important for that kind of a thing, because you, if you shoot at a wall and you see part of your bullet go through it, you know that there's something there. Whereas with the wave beam, it just is like, fuck you, just shoot through everything. Who cares? Because <laughs> this game's favorite thing to do is to just, like, take things and put, like, them above the level of collision. And for some reason, what do you they mean? just... What do you mean? Like... <laughs> Enemies, bosses in particular, just move freely through the screen without regard to walls or floors. Oh, oh, I and mean, yeah. uh, your like one of your bullet power ups is specifically to just go over things. They just basically <laughs> take the texture and pull it above everything else and let it move. It's another sort of fun video gamey thing that they make to make the game not if you're thinking about it be sort of consistent. But it all works so well in the moment that you never even think of it. Like, think of how many times in this game critical information is conveyed to you literally through walls. Right. it's 2D and from the side. Yeah. They, they use that to really good effect. Um, on the flip side of all of the garbage that we don't like about uh, yeah. the secrets in this game, how about that, like, bat missile tech? 
That, because mm. that was the greatest thing that ever happened. Why are you calling it a bat? Oh. It has, like, bat wings. What? It flies? It, the thing is, it goes on the ground and sort of rumbles around, and there's one, you fight it twice? No, you think, okay, when I said missile tank, you were thinking a tank that fires missiles? I was, yeah. That's the security robot. <laughs> I mean, like, the power-up pickup. It's like, one, a, it's like a mimic. Yeah, that you walk up to, and then it turns into oh an God. enemy and flies around. Dude, I just, I love that kind of thing. I found, yeah. like, <laughs> mimics in games are the best. Yeah, it's, it was super good. And they do it a second time with an energy tank later. But, yep. uh, goddamn, that was so funny. Like, because obviously, that is not a thing that I stored in my memory from 2003? Or you might not have even found it. It's possible. Well, no, because I 100%ed it when I played no, it the first I time. Mean, you found it. When you played it the first time, you 100%ed it? Uh, yeah. But I was a kid, so I probably just used a guide or something. Yeah. Right. It, I don't know how, like, children complete games. Or I must have been really stupid as a kid. Because, like, <laughs> I don't think I beat a game until I was in, like, junior high. <laughs> Really? Yeah. You're ruining your credibility. Yeah, right? we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have memories of how dumb I was as a kid going back to the... Because this game, I've told you guys this, but for the sake of the cast, holds the record for the longest period of time in my life I've ever been stuck on a boss. There's a, a spider, the spider boss, uh, the one that I think a... that gives you the infinite jump and sort of goes side to side on the screen. Yeah. Uh, when from the time that I first got the game and it came out, I was stuck on that boss for two years, uh, and uh, but I would I would and it wasn't like continuous. Like I played other games and like went to school uh, mm -hmm. in between those periods. Of but time. occasionally you would pop in Metroid Fusion. Let's see if I can beat the Spider Boss. Like, every like every like one to like two weeks, I would dedicate like a full weekend. And any time we went on like family trips, I, I was I was just popping it in trying to see if I get any better in the Spider Boss. And now I'm an adult, and I'm just like, oh, you go to the corner. Yeah. And or, you turn yeah. the morph ball. The morph ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that took me two years the, to process no, as a your, child. In your defense, that boss is pretty hard. Yes. A lot of people it, think... We have such different opinions on the bosses. It can I think catch you is... in like a loop where it just keeps doing damage to you. Right. It, t it takes a couple tries to figure out how to damage it, or it did for me. There's actually a lot... There's like a huge dichotomy among individuals. I don't know if it's specific to this game. I have a theory that it's related specifically to like 2D action games like this, or moving on screens, about how difficult it is. People often call out Super Metroid for having like easy challenges and bosses, and that's never been my experience. With Super Metroid? Well, in comparison to Super Metroid, like it's easier than that. Okay, so you're saying Metroid Fusion is... Easy. Metroid. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Metroid. So you say, okay, okay. Yeah. Alright. Because people... I find Super Metroid to be a difficult game, and I find Super Metroid, or Metroid Fusion to be like a moderately difficult game. Yeah. I don't remember how much trouble I had. Partially, it's hard to compare since I played Super Metroid as an adult. Mm. But um, I had, even now, this moderate to, you know, rather, like, above average amount of video game difficulty trying to get yeah. through these things. I thought the bosses were hard, yeah. personally. Yeah. Like, SAX was uh, quite a push for me at the end there to try oh, and... the last boss? Yeah, yeah, oh. really. Do you, I think it's just because... SAX isn't the last boss. Well, yeah. It's not, the, functionally the last Yeah, because the Omega Metro doesn't really... We'll discuss bosses, I think, after Agreed. the break, because I think they're a, a significant enough part of the game. The point that I'm trying to make in the description of that boss specifically is that it requires, to some extent, like moderate to good mastery of like movement and control and aiming of your character 
Like, it's just a 1v1 fight with the mechanics of these 2D action games. And I've never been good at those, ever. <laughs> I've always been, like, really bad at games like that. And I, I think it's, it's part of the reason that I perceive games like this to be difficult. But I don't know if there's that same dichotomy of people who suck or do not suck <laughs> at these 2D action games like this before. See, I, I think that it's actually closer to a... Um... I don't know, necessarily know that I have a good comparison point that doesn't start with Dark and Souls uh, <laughs> thing, where I, I, especially just having conversations with Andy about the game, that they're just different bosses that we found difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've found that that's just true of all games we talk about, like... <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, there are a lot of games I think that people think, like, oh, this boss is universally considered really easy. That, sometimes, With, like, yeah. some, like, outliers where they're like, I was really stumped by this. Right. Like, sometimes people spend two years fighting the spider boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think it is, it's like, it's more pronounced in 3D games than in 2D games where people have, like, a different level of difficulty with things. Mm -hmm. But I think that... Uh, I think that we can all agree that the bosses in this game are just fairly difficult, unless you are just, like, being the completionist guy and can just tank infinite damage. Yeah. Right. They scale up nicely, I thought, too. I thought by the end, the things that were hard should have been hard at the times when they should have been. Yeah. I was The exception to that being, of course, after my two years of repeat shitty practice, I, had, <laughs> I remembered everything that I had to do in the spider fight to a science and did it the first time and was so proud of... Every all the time that I wasted in my life as a youth. <laughs> uh, I do have to ask. Uh, like we've just discussed all of the the problems we had with finding hidden objects and things. What was your completion percentage? Mine was, I think, exactly the same as yours. It was like fifty six or something. That's ex yeah. That's literally exactly <laughs> mine. Yeah, I did it in less time though. So just so everybody everybody knows, I'm way better than JJ. <laughs> This is true. It's a well-known fact. Yeah, I'm 56. I had to check. I will not dispute this. Uh, and Eddie? Mine uh, was like 39 or something. Right, yeah. Because so, when I finished the game, I had, a, I had one energy peg above the bottom row. Mm -hmm. So I found almost exactly half of the energy tanks in the game. Yep. Uh... And there was, there were some situations where I was like, I could probably use a little bit more energy. Situations where I wish doors would have been unlocked for me to acquire or find that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, we should take a break. Okay. All right. Horse. <laughs> you know, I ask myself that every day. Andy? Hmm? Welcome does... back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, Andy, welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back, Shan. Hey. So, the thing that I wanted to get into uh, now that we're back, and by I wanted to get into, I mean I made a suggestion and JJ chose this as the thing we're coming back <laughs> on. I'm the secret Illuminati cast ruler. <laughs> Uh, is uh, the health system in this game. So, it's not complicated, obviously. You have a number, and a number of <laughs> tanks, and the number goes down when you get hit. Yes. And then you recover by killing enemies and then getting their health pickups. It's kind of the same as it's always been. I think that this, the way that they manage it is 
pretty consistent throughout the series, but I think it's something interesting, and even though this is a cast specifically about fusion, I think this is just a cool thing that Metroid does. Getting hit by an enemy in a, in a Metroid game is never a trivial matter, with the exception of, like, when you're, like, going back to the first area, yeah. and you lose, like, eight health or something. Getting nailed by something in... Like, one of the, the later areas can lop off as much as, like, 60 to 100 HP in one hit. And not only that, but you can sort of get hit into other things, which, mm -hmm. when your invincibility runs off, you end up bouncing around. And it makes it impossible to sort of, like, tank the game, or, for that matter, just sprint through areas. And I think that the way that they do it makes it... One, satisfying to kill enemies because, like, it feels like it's worth your time and and energy, literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, additionally, like, I don't know, the, the missile and bomb pickups and things that you get that increase your, like, stock are, I think, mostly just trinkets for completionists because I have never run out of missiles in a Metroid game. Almost, there were two sort of weird exceptions to that rule. Uh, if you're looking at the whole series, uh, Metroid pickups were sort of a huge deal in the first Prime game because of the Wave Buster, uh, <laughs> a wonderfully named special ability where you could like charge up that game's version of the Wave Beam and fire missiles out of it, right. but it would instigate like a Sith-style lightning coil that would just, like, suck on people and drain around them. Yeah, and it and would it, just it, drain it, your resource. It drained it at, like, a ludicrous way, like 10 a second or something. Yeah. But it was incredibly good, so there was lots of incentive. Like, you can just... I remember... It was the cheese thing you could do is that if you had a certain threshold of missiles, you could just devastate Ridley and Prime by just holding the wave buster until he was dead. That's yeah. what a lot of people did. And coincidentally, that's the other only time in this game that I ran out of missiles. Is uh, on Ridley? Yeah, because Ridley's, Ridley's designed in such a way, I think, that they often want you to do this. Uh, oftentimes in these games, Ridley is either like a set-piece boss insofar as he's only vulnerable at, like, very specific points in that video game bossy way. Mm -hmm. He's not... Uh, or they just put him on screen and you just unload. And in this game, he's he's in the unload form. He's, like, he slowly moves toward you. His tail sort of flicks around in the back. And it's only to the later forms where he moves fast enough that he's with that much of a danger. Right. So it's always, it was always really fun for me in this game to just head to a corner and just, like, rapidly... Yeah, you can kind of beat Ridley if you, like, crouch in the corner and just hold both shoulder buttons and just jam on being as fast as you can. Uh, but I like that in the context of that fight. It's, like, literally you just like hunkering behind this big okay. old flying creature and you're it's eating hundreds of missiles and okay this is something that i definitely want to come back to yeah uh and in fact we can jump into it almost immediately i just want to know if like you even agree with me on the health thing at all in that i think that the way that the pickups work like it it feels like things are really like it, it adds to the gravity of the situation oh yeah i completely damage you take. agree with you i, I think they, they've tweaked the numbers really well generally in the series like the health pickups you get are like 10 but the health you lose if you're something you like the level appropriate quote unquote even though there's no literal levels like the zone appropriate content you're getting hit for like somewhere between 30 and like 80 at any period of time mm -hmm. yeah and it, they are dangerous you do have to clear them kind of methodically the only time when the game really becomes that like sort of 
tank invulnerability <laughs> god state that you get, uh, which this game I do think is the intentional exception to, uh, is when you just get so many tanks or when you have the screw attack so consistently that you're just invulnerable and you just eat stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you have the screw attack, you actually are just, like, projectiles just don't damage you anymore. I'm actually, for that reason, and this sort of transitions in from that topic, sad that they included the screw attack in this game at all. It seemed like, because even in comparison to other games in the series, you actually do take more damage in Fusion. Right. And the game sort of has this motif of trying to make you feel, like, paranoid and vulnerable about all these different situations. I wish you would This is as close to survival horror as Metroid gets. Yeah. 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 And it's far away from it, but... It, it is like the alien tone that they were going for. So I really wish they would not have just given you at any time like a, a true, you know, god mode and vulnerability state that the screw attack always I mean, represents. You only, you get it at like the very end, though. Yeah. I know, but it still sort of breaks the tone. The game has lots of tiny times. It's it just supposed to be like a triumphant moment. Like you can only use it really on the final boss. Mm. Even then, it's not really actually effective on that boss either. Just, what it, does, it does count as a hit, but you take 20 damage when if you do it. I know, I know. It's so, it's like, it, 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 it's it kind just, of counter It's good for, like, dodging his uh, yeah. projectiles. Yeah, like, I, I, what I dislike is that it removes the thing that Chad was just talking about, where towards the end of the game, for the sake of personal convenience, which has its own upsides, you can now literally just roll your way through the entire game. There's never going to be a thing that actually obstructs you. They even designed lots of the platforms so that they, you, they could be screw-attacked through, so you yeah. wouldn't have to do any of the platforming anymore. You just, yeah. just run to right. wherever you need I to see, be. I think the fact that it's literally at the end makes it... And the fact that... I think it feels earned. Right. So I think both of those things combined feel make it okay. Yeah. Personally. I think it was an intentional design decision also to make it not something that you could reliably use on the final boss. And also the Omega Metroid is just like a totally different thing than a regular boss. And so it's not like the screw attack has its it's really it, it is almost exclusively used in this game as a traversal tool. Agreed. And uh I mean yeah, it is it's it's a thing that if they wanted to include it, they could have given it to you earlier in a different type of game. But if they wanted to keep like keep it consistently frightening throughout, they probably shouldn't have. But I think that its inclusion in the place where it is is generally fine. It doesn't like ruin it for me or anything. For other examples of like the weird, since I don't think I brought this up earlier on the cast yet, uh, like the weird inconsistencies in that tone, uh, the game makes lots of good decisions. But I think a lot of those decisions, like, conflict a little bit. That was one of the examples that I had. The other one is how they're going for, like, the, the isolationist alien vibe. But in order to make everything really nice and pretty and clearly visible to you on a Game Boy Advance screen, everything's really colorful. Right. Like, if you compare, like, the palette in all these fusion levels to other, like, every other Metroid Prime or just Metroid games, including the 2D ones, mm -hmm. every, it's way less subdued. Colors are all over the place, and the, and the like, redesigned body structure of Samus X and stuff, that the most. Yeah, the, the, the suit, the fusion suit, is definitely the most, uh, 
striking part of it because mm-hmm. like at no point in metroid fusion would anyone look over your shoulder and be like which metroid game are you playing <laughs> right? it's like yeah. it's the one where i'm fucking blue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pastel yeah. almost yeah i really like the visuals i agree it conflicts with the tone mm-hmm. but it I, I do think it does seem like it was necessary for the game boy yeah. right uh, I also like the visuals, and I, I also don't necessarily know that it like detracts from the tone. For example, the um, uh, knock is my like favorite example of this. Um, in that area, it's one supposed to be dark, and two has those uh, <laughs> incredibly bright fluorescent blue X parasites. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love the visual design of that area because it's all of these like purples with like yellow outlines and all of these the like you know there's like tacky black light posters that you can yep, get yep. it's like that aesthetic that's what the night zone would be right a tacky black light poster <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think that like that kind of a thing like it's very striking and i mean it's it's not like enjoyable in the oh, this is fun, exciting sense. It's just visually stimulating. And I think that that works. And I mean, because you're not really supposed to be afraid of the walls and shit. (laughs) Now, keep the, uh, you you know, like the little caterpillar guys in Knock? Yeah. Those guys are just too cute. Those are some little cuties, (laughs) and I think that they really don't scare me in any way. (laughs) But coincidentally, they're like one of my favorite enemies in the game because they're just the most. I want a plushie of those, like, rainbow caterpillars. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> and now that we know that about you, <laughs> but I think that for the most part, every all the other visual design, it's it's just more surrealist yeah. than it is uh, like straight horror. I think they took that limitation of the small screen and they made it work for them mm-hmm. just by creating just with really good visual design. Yeah. yeah, like I said, all the individual decisions, I don't think any of them can be complained. Far be it from this podcast to complain about linearity, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but they, they just thought there were tiny other things. In, in description of Knock, I'm surprised that you never brought up the Nightmare as like a boss. This fits completely in with that sort of color contrast that you're talking <laughs> That's about. That's true. The Nightmare boss. Okay, first of all, fuck Nightmare. He's, he's a really hard boss, and we super hard. We will transition into bosses here through this conversation, mm-hmm. um, but. The the Nightmare does have incredible visual design because he does show up as like this horrifying like uh like pinhead from Hellraiser kind of like dead eyes like just floats in and then you shoot him in effectively the the ball sack a lot. <laughs> And then his his face comes up, and he's just like a horror, like goo alien monster. Yeah, he's he's the spirit that has infected your CRT. Yeah. <laughs> and the bottom's like his little webcam attachment. Right? They have webcams in two thousand two. I assume they did. Yeah, they existed like, for sure. Yeah. And they like looked the like little, that too. The, the circular ones. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. you like had a little Velcro thing you stuck to the top of your monitor. Except I, his webcam controlled gravity. Yeah. I felt like. He had, like, one of the goofiest enemy designs in the game. He's super goofy. Like, not, we're not denying it's that. It's like no. if you, you told a kid to, like, doodle, like, a television monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what they would come up with. Right, just replace his, like, like, his like laser a, arms like goofy, with, like, a remote control, and that's what exactly... <laughs> no, nah, just yeah. give him some big beefy arms. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's pop one of them VPRs back on there for good measure. Uh, <laughs> it is surprising considering that most of this game actually sticks with like the normal Metroid approach of trying to make all of their enemies look like natural fauna of some mm-hmm. kind. They're all screwed up fauna. They're fucked fauna. <laughs> but they they do are supposed to generally look like believable like, things that could exist. It's almost like they were fused with something. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but this is, this is true of every Metroid game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Prime was even better at this. You can get lots of really awesome concept art that they did. A lot Molitor wasn't even used, where you can just look through and see all the different like random critters. Like there was just critter things. You could add yeah. tons of little drawn of critters. I have to agree on that. Um in as much as I, I generally like two D Metro games better than the Prime series, uh I think that Metroid Prime One did have well, I guess Metroid Prime throughout, but I think Prime One probably had the best examples of it. Definitely, very, very good creature design in terms of making them seem like actual things. Yeah. Whereas the two D Metroid games have the the limitation of needing to have them like the enemies like pop on screen, like okay. they had to be very apparent that they're there. Even mm. then, I didn't they they did so bad at that like. The one that comes into my mind are just a lot of the early bosses before things got really nuts. Like uh, everything slowly became mechanical over time. Yeah. yeah. Like at the very beginning, you're fighting things that seem like like fucked up fauna. Yeah. But they no longer do by the end. The first like morph ball boss is like some kind of. I don't know, like a hedgehog thing, like an armadillo guy. Oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. actually a pretty. That's cool a. Boss. I'm pretty sure that's a Mega Man boss. Like that is just a Mega Man boss at some it point. It does look a lot like a Mega Man boss. Yeah, it's not robotic enough to be a Mega Man boss. Well, that's true, but I mean, I think that the boss both visually and mechanically plays like a specific Mega Man. Yeah, you have to like, yeah, like jump. Well, you have to jump, jump over, over him, him and, and shoot him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not only that, but you can, like, hold onto the walls, but he'll, like, roll into them. Bounce. And it, you'll fall off That almost kind of feels like a Donkey Kong boss as well. This also, is a yeah. classic 2D. This is just a 2D video game boss. Classic <laughs> 2D video game that's boss. That's why they put it so early, because it's something that's kind of understandable. Mm-hmm. And then you get into things like the security robot, where you have to, like, really figure out how to do diagonal shooting to, like, actually do it without just getting fucking massacred a hundred times like yep. I did. Uh... <laughs> Phase um, one or phase two or both? Uh, I did significantly worse on phase one oh. before I like figured them out. But then on phase two, I kind of just got it. Yeah. I was like, okay, it took me like three tries or so. I just remembered the uh, like the serpent boss where you had to like hang from the ceiling. There is no. Mm, doesn't matter if you hang from the ceiling. There's no way to reliably beat that boss. The boss is just like complete really luck. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised. I kept looking around because this game, I, I, it was right after, I think, this might be me messing up the chronology of my playthrough, but I remember going through the lava room and feeling like that was also complete luck and we're like, oh, I'm just getting hit in the face by a lava from the floor randomly. But that turned out not to be true. Right. I looked like closely and you can see for like one second uh, before the lava comes, it, a little, yeah, it's little bubble, fun. it actually has the signal. Right. So I kept looking for a signal in that and it wasn't there. It's yeah. just... That it's just got it. It's like the Sonic. It just moves faster than you can possibly predict for it. Yeah, I like. I've beaten this game twice, and in both instances, and I recall specifically the 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 uh, super speed boss that we're talking about. Yeah, uh, took me a lot of tries the first time as well, and. Like, literally, it's just, like, I, they had to have sat down and been like, what would be cool? Like, how about a snake that moves incredibly fast, 
in a wide arena so you can't see like which way it's coming from and you can only hit it directly in the face it's like well that sounds unreasonably hard how do we balance that thing like give it like four health <laughs> that's like the whole thing because like they couldn't give you more information they couldn't pan the screen back right because you would right. be like little tiny yeah samus uh the the way that a strategy I figured out to beat that was to like hang from the ceiling like left or right of center, mm. charge up your Buster whatever. Your Buster whatever, <laughs> whatever you call the gun. That, yeah, that's that is Mega Man. Is the it's the Buster? Oh, that, I didn't it, know that. It's just the cannon, the fusion cannon. Or the arm, just the arm, the arm cannon. 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 Yeah. Charge up your arm cannon. Yeah, and then. Just look for movement at all, and if you see it, like you can just let it go. Uh, and, like, oh, you use charge shots, not missiles. He, when I was like, when he was just berserking around, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. plenty of time. Just, yeah, charge, yeah, just hang and charge it up to look for movement at all and fire it at his my, face. My like strategy when I actually beat him was to uh, just fire missiles. For a hundred percent of the time. Yep, pure panic. Shoot missiles in a direction and hope that he just ran into them. I just started doing circles. Because yeah, like it. you yeah. had like a fifty-fifty chance hanging from the ceiling that like he'd be coming at you where you could hit him. Mm-hmm. So that just was like the best strategy that I found. I'm uh, going to just just parlaying off of this boss and we'll come right back. Okay. Uh, I just I do want to know because the ability that he gives you is the 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 speed ability. Yeah. I forget what it's called. Do, because I, I suspect that you actually don't know about this, and that you do, uh, are you aware of shine sparking? Like, mm. as a concept? No. It's where you run until you have super speed, and then you press down, and then you, like, store the energy, and you can, like, press a direction, and you'll fly in that direction. Uh, it's, nope. a, it's a secret yeah. thing. It's a sort of an Easter egg that they left in from Super Metroid, where you get the ability again. But they don't use it for progression at all, and they don't tutorialize it to you. But you can still do it, and you can get some power-ups that way. Yeah. Right. There is a... Uh, like, I mentioned some things that we thought were bullshit, but I think, like, literally the worst thing in the world is... Did you ever do the Shine Spark puzzle where you have to, like, store the energy over the course of, like, five segments where you change direction... What? No. There's like a really difficult to get. I think it's a power bomb upgrade that I got when I played this game originally, but I was like, no, not doing that again. <laughs> Where I just feel like it, it, it is significant enough that it justifies being talked about. Yeah. Where you have to build up speed as you run to the right, and then when you get to the end, you store it and then jump and shoot to the left. And then it hits a sloped ramp, so you start running again. You get to the oh, end shit. of that, stop, and do it like two more times. And like you can just walk up these ramps, but then there's just uh, like pit blocks yeah. on the other side through a speed wall. So you have to fly through the end and to get to the the power up. That sounds awesome. It is intense. I, like I don't necessarily know that I. I that sounds yeah. like some late game guacamole shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> the end. Uh, like. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, the most, like, famous, like, unnecessary challenges in games that I can think of are always, like, that and uh, the Veni Vini Vici screen in VVVVV. The, uh... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, eight red coins thing in Mario Sunshine where you had to get Yoshi oh, and you Yoshi and the boats. <laughs> <laughs> like, that level of mechanical challenge is just, like, so in- in- insane. Mm-hmm. But, uh... 
So, you know, apologies to everyone listening to this podcast who did that. Uh, <laughs> We're so sorry. Because <laughs> I'm, sure, I mean, I'm sure you feel triumphant now. I know I did when I was a kid. but You Jesus. didn't at the time. Until the very last moment, you did not feel very good. I mean, we want to have condolences for that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was that boss. Yeah. I, <laughs> I okay, I'll be a little bit, not, never necessarily surprised, but happy if you even remember this boss. Do you guys remember the stock boss? The boss is just like a stock that has like a mouth that opens they have to shoot up into. I think it's where you get Oh the yeah, the one that like jumps and then he just like parachutes out. Oh, yeah. 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 That Like is, the one big goofy eyeball? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That boss was the only like 100% miss for me. Even <laughs> even the like super fast boss was intense while being a little bit unfair. Like you still it was still a tense moment that was hard. Mm. That was just boring and I didn't understand was it its like, point. Was that like an early boss? Very. It's like the, the second or third early. boss. Yeah, it's okay. It's Lots the of one it, that kind of stuff. Like a really just trivial boss at the beginning. They yeah. didn't even look threatening. He just looked <laughs> like a tree. I felt bad. Eh, whatever. He uh, like because he couldn't even harm me. He, he had to die. Just, he was oh, he grabbed me once. Did you ever get grabbed by him? No, I never. He never touched me. He doesn't even do that much damage. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a non-threatening. Uh, not threatening bouncy stock man. In, in another life, you could have been friends. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised if you like there was some kind of secret. Or if you just stood still on the boss, he just drapes over you completely and then forms a new suit for you to use. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the tree man suit. Yeah, the dumpy stock suit that you just Stocks. sort of. You can't use your arms in any way, but you sort of fling and you have to parachute down. On the I love like that was so contrary to my expectations. Like that you were like I don't know if you guys remember. I just I never have this one specific boss just to fucking take a shit on him. Like, what a dumb boss. But no, I do agree that there were very few misses. Like, yeah. if that was the overall point you were going Agreed. For. That was the one miss. And it wasn't a miss because it was offensive. It was a miss because it was just like, just really, why are you here? It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. The thing, one of my misses, uh, of which I actually, the bosses are kind of like, an element of these games that has traditionally been a thing. Yeah, that you yeah. Had, like, They're memorable, it, normally. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that, like, this game isn't particularly... I mean, it's combat-focused in as much as there is combat all the time, constantly. <laughs> but, like, it isn't, like, a particularly complex combat system. I think that Fusion actually is the game that sort of took it a step further by giving you the ability to aim in a diagonal... Yeah. Which is impressive, I guess. They also, uh, they tightened the controls a lot for Fusion coming off of Super Metroid. Yeah. You felt a whole lot less like a tank and a whole lot more like a Leith fighter. A, a what? Leith. Leith? Is that how you pronounce that word? Le oh, well, I don't know what you mean. Like 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 a Leith cat. It's always, it's always used in descriptions of cats. This is just, I think, a word I've never heard before. Either way... Uh, I can't vouch for you, JJ. Damn it, Andy! This is it's, what I need you for. It sounds like a real word, but I can't sure. say I know what it means. All right, more okay. But if that was your one miss, I feel like my one miss is going to end up being a lot more shocking. Yeah. Uh, because I now know that both of you like this boss. I think that they did a really great job of taking uh, one of the most iconic bosses in video game history, 
Ridley and making him like a shitty bullet sponge garbage <laughs> boss uh, who I hate. He is like my least favorite boss in this game by a mile. That's what he is What he is like half of the time historically but, in the series. But the difference here is that, okay, getting to Rip, Ridley and I keep wanting to call him Ripley. Ridley, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> but getting to Ridley and the opening to his fight I think are both great. I think that like the fact that it's not really signaled that he's going to be there and that you saw him, like, get crushed earlier was, like, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, maybe Ridley's not in this game. And then he just, like, is suddenly. <laughs> like, his eyes flash, and he's like, ah! and he makes lots of noise. But his boss is literally just, like, shooting missiles at something for a hour. <laughs> like, it's, it's like a million-year-long fight of you shooting missiles. And not only that... There's no, like, with the exception of the red pickup you get from the boss door, there's no reasonable way to recover energy before you go into the fight. Yeah. And not only that, but you have to cross, like, a poison lake <laughs> full of enemies to get to him in the first place, and diffusion missiles do nothing on him, so I don't, like, they give it to you right before. I, like, I, I had to fight him, like, not, like, a bunch of times, like, four times or something. Yeah. And he fucking just beat him on the first go, so yeah. he probably doesn't have the same frustration. The only boss in the game would beat him one, in one try. <laughs> That's fair. I, I'm sympathetic to... Because that run up to Ridley is disproportionately bad. They normally put some kind of buffer zone between the save point and the rest of the game where you can just easily loop and get all your items and equipment back if they need to. Right. Um... But the, they instead gave you gold pirates there, and that really didn't work mm. as well. give guys. you a red pickup exactly one time. Yeah. The first time that you kill them in that room, you'll get a red pickup, but after that, it's right. just, I think, 30 energy. So you have to you have to fight them perfectly every time. And even then, you're draining missiles. Not that it's a huge deal. I really, like, I think, while I enjoyed the change of pace of just having the crazy, like, scream, because... Really, screams really add to the tension of the it's like, true. oh god, you're yeah. firing missiles. Like, <laughs> you know, they made the decision to make that a little bit more fun. Because if that had been like a just a music, if that had been a more quiet fight, then I agree that would have been more grating if you were just like. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a like a non thing though. No one would ever be like the the dragon that erratically flies around and picks you up and swings his tail at like seemingly random angles while you barrage him with missiles should be like a subdued, quiet boss. Like <laughs> nobody thought that. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying. There's clearly like none of the other bosses scream horrifically when they do things. It was. It's, it's true. It's iconic and a classic choice. But I do think that really would have, could have been improved with a second form that changed his behavior. He just went through coloration differences like lots of classic 2D Metroid bosses do that just upped his speed. Right. And upping his speed... Well, he, didn't did, make he, him he gets the pogo interest. stick attack in his, when he gets to yellow. <laughs> when he like gets the tail, he's like... Bah! Just stabs down at right. you. And you can, just, you can morph ball through that. Yeah. Or you can Easy. just jump once. What? If you jump one time... He takes uh, up the whole screen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, that bird, you don't, like, jump over him. But, like, if you're standing and he starts the thing, yeah. you can just sort of jump and the part of the tail will miss you and then he'll go to the other side of the screen. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Unless you're, like, obviously in the middle of the screen or something. Right. He doesn't follow you around. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry that, that you disliked the Screamy Dragon. Yeah, I really hate that boss. I think it is just... And not only that, I think that he looks goofy as fuck. Oh, Ridley always looks goofy as fuck. Ridley has 
a Miyazaki-esque respectful look what? to him. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't. I wouldn't. That's an over exaggeration. It is. But yeah. like, I think Ridley does have a design that's like simultaneously a little bit goofy and a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. I, I gave goofy and scary, but that's not what he's talking well, about. That's not I like, like, like Frank's. <laughs> Framp is yeah. goofy. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, neither, of you, <laughs> neither of you are agreeing with me, even if you think you are. I, uh, I know I'm not agreeing with you. <laughs> the original Ridley and Ridley in, as represented in Super Metroid are, like, a lot sleeker, a lot more, like, bony, I guess. Like, they look like there's something out of, like, a horrible purple nightmare. And Metro Fusion's Ridley looks like a beefy cartoon character version of of Ridley. Ridley. I might be misremembering Ridley Scott. what his alien. face looks like. Is that Wow, is that really the origin of that? That would make perfect sense. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the director of Alien is Ridley Scott. I know, but I somehow yeah. just never made that connection because I'm a, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> but, but, no, how can, how can you not think that this is a purple, not a purple nightmare monster? Look at this. Look at his horrible face. Uh, he's so... He looks like they took the regular... He looks like a balloon animal version of Super Metroid's root. Are you kidding me right now? I am Look at this. not. That is a nightmare creature. I mean, I don't think he looks as goofy as Chad thinks, but I'll agree that he looks goofier there than he does in Super Metroid. I don't remember which his Super Metroid I'm, I'm pulling it up right now, no, except I, I accidentally went to a website that sucks, and it's not just an image of Ridley. But keep in mind that the uh, like the amount of, like... I agree with Andy's description of Ridley as, like, this, like, definite camp creature. He's, he's so not. He looks... Respectful. He, yeah, he does look respectful in Super Metroid. I'm, 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 I'm competing. But this is every, the original I'm pulling it up. Yeah. I'm pulling it up. And every other, like, in the Prime series... He's turned into like an android like six sure. times. He's, yeah, at, at, at this point in the in like the canon, I don't know where Prime takes place. Like in the timeline after the first one, before the second one. Okay, so in this instance, he's been like blown up, melted, turned into a robot, <laughs> and frozen, yeah. and now has been infected with a horrible. Well, twice he was infected with different things at different points I, in the series. I got the impression that he's not actually Ridley, and he's just like a clone, like the SAS. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 yeah, he's, mimic, yeah. But yeah. All the mimics sort of look like corrupted. Like the real things. Ridley yeah. collapsed into frozen. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that he looks appropriate for the game. Given and the other bosses, um, where they can even make like a security robot look like kind of like a weird spider bo- creature. Yeah, yeah. They have. I think they have done something to Ridley that I don't like, just because I feel like his original design is so good. The, the new design looks yeah. like the '90s He's, Saturday morning cartoon reboot of yeah, the gritty '90s. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it goes that right. far, but he's definitely like cartoonier yeah. than mm. he was. The before. scream phase had, had a good effect on me, which was part of the whole like he is making noise, franticness of the battle, even if you're not actually doing that much, especially in comparison to other bosses. But you're you're right. In retrospect, the Ridley sprite from Super Metroid is. Regal as fuck. Oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. I mean, because especially because this game doesn't doesn't contain like chozos no. because they don't belong on a space station. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> like that that whole like the chozo like if you just look at the design of the statues yeah. in in that game, it really influenced not influenced necessarily, but is a great like bookmark if you want to say like this is 
the sort of the tone that they're going for. And that kind of like destroyed ruins and, and he fits into that and to a certain extent like Craig fits into that even if he is like the polar opposite of what Ridley is. Yeah. Uh and neither of those things fit in fusion. Yeah, so it makes sense, but I I kind of wish that they would have just pulled a bait and switch and had Ridley crumble and then that just be it. And have him not show up as a horrible fucking monstrosity. <laughs> they can't. That's the reason that Ridley has been through six infections, twelve <laughs> metallic enhancements. Yeah. Is because they they just need you him to be the second. He needs to be the Darth Vader character in every. But game. he's like the, he's Godzilla, is what it is. It's like there's because there's Mecha Godzilla, and then there's Ridley two thousand, and then there's. Well, you're talking about his description, his his character design. I'm talking about the role that he plays within the context of the series, which, despite hilarious being a crazy dragon creature in the lore of Metroid, he's essentially like the Darth Vader of everything that's going on ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, that's uh... Do you have, like, thoughts on other bosses? Uh, I forget how much we talked about the SAX fight earlier. Uh, there's not much not to much say either. there. Yeah. And other than just, it requires you to know how to move and do things well. The trick for me was that it required me to know to use the charge beam. Because I never use uh, the charge beam. I, I just missile it, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I used it all the time. And I, most people do. I right. think that that is like the typical way to play through a Metroid game is to use the charge beam because it's smarter, yeah. like in the long run, than using all of your resources. But I just, I was like, mm, missiles all the time. And I've been like that since I played the original yeah. Metroid where it was a problem to do that. <laughs> I, I liked the, the change in the fight too. I liked like the way that the music sort of shifted from its theme that you always hear when it was threatening into, like, the crazy madness of the last time that it showed up. <laughs> what about that middle phase, though? That, like, joke, jumpy... I don't know why that exists. Jumpy Jack. That feels incomplete uh, to me. Like, yeah. Maybe they just realized how difficult it could be to people, like both of us, who came in with, like, half-possible tanks. <laughs> and they were just like, people just aren't going to have enough health after the first fight to, re to reliably deal with a three-phase boss, so they... But they already had the sprite finished. And it was a cool-ass sprite. So they put it in. It's not even that cool of a sprite. It's just like, what if Samus had like a big dumb head? It's, it's like a Mr. Hyde version of Samus. It is, it is. It's, it's like a, it's a physical horror. That thing. should have been Samus's final smash in Smash 4. <laughs> it was just like, she just mutates into that thing. It turns out it was the SIX the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. No, I don't... It's always been odd to me how much the bosses of this game don't stick in my memory. Despite... It's because there's a bunch of them. Oh. And, like, there are flagship bosses in, in Super Metroid, in, like, in Ridley and Kraid, and Mother Brain, obviously, in, in the first game. Um, and Fusion, too. And, yeah, and Fusion also has a, has a memorable... has flagship bosses. But... Uh, it's difficult to remember things that aren't those, though. Yeah. Like, the the flagship ones the ones we talked about. Nightmare, yeah. the security robot, weirdly, because you find him twice. Uh, <laughs> the fast guy, the serpent guy, yeah. Ridley, and then the SAA. A lot of those things had lore built around them before you fought yeah. them. In contrast to, like, I guess there's a little bit of lore for this one, but, like, the plant being... Dude, do you remember oh, the plant I love the plant weird. boss, actually. Like, I'm like, is this a, is this a boss? Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like just a discreet, like, yeah, level challenge. Some kind of challenge, yeah. And then the music sort of comes in, but it doesn't start immediately, like, after the other bosses. Yeah. Like, and it was, like, kind of hard for me to tell if I was, like, doing anything to it for a while. I'm Until like, the yeah. first phase changed yeah, in like, the color. what's going on? I love that they dump you straight into, like, yeah, a it, flower. They just, like, eat shit. Like, so I was like, <laughs> I felt right 
get into like the acid water. Yeah, yeah. And like, maybe I'm dumb, but like I could not jump out of. No, that's, it's intentionally difficult. It grabs you. Out. It's supposed to try yeah, and that's like. That's so weird. That is yeah. very it weird. It could drop you right in there. You're screwed. <laughs> yeah, that Whoops. was a. Uh, uh, that felt like an unfinished idea for me. <laughs> I like that boss generally. It it because it calls back. Uh, Mother Brain in Metroid 1 because you just it's a it's a fight where you basically stand on a platform and shoot missiles at a thing while you're being bombarded with things and I think that at some point during development they had to have had it so that uh, the second phase where it shoots the the, the things that you know, yeah, like the, the plasma beam plasma yeah. beam things yeah, yeah. Uh, also had the flowers shooting spores at you and then they were like Mother Brain was the final boss, and this is like two thirds of the way through the game. We should remove the flower part because this is getting untenable. Yeah. Because I, I, the way that I see it, like that, that boss would have been, I think, too hard if you had to keep dodging everything. I agree. Because then it is just the Mother Brain fight. You have the little circles that fly in to attack you, and you have to shoot a thing that's firing a beam at you. Like it's, it's very similar. It's so good. I like that boss, even though even if it is a little bit like, I like it too. A little bit like, yeah. I think the plant grabbiness could have been implemented in a better, clearer way because it, it, like Andy's experience, it felt to me on that boss like I was doing something wrong instead of the game was doing something to me. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been like, <laughs> yeah, it does feel like that. But then also, the uh, in Super Metroid, there were those things that would come out of the water and pull you in and that feels terrible it does so i'm glad they didn't go with that instead yeah they should have had you like fall down that pit and just land on a platform and not have it so that you could clip one of the plants or just fall fall into straight into the acid yeah, well it, it's it's good maybe they could have signaled that better earlier but because it's, like, it's like nice a, it's know. just a surprise the first time yeah you're just like walking across the room and you fall in yeah that boss me took, took me three tries and literally every time I fell into the acid. <laughs> it didn't even it didn't even cross my mind until I was already falling to think about where I should be landing. Yeah. Like it's yeah, you don't have that much time to react either. Yeah. I think they just wanted you because they couldn't naturally put in earlier that, like, oh, there's going to be these acid flowers that are going to hurt you, because that was sort of right. part of the motif of the boss. But they did want to at least let you know that it was going to consume your flesh. <laughs> yeah, but they could have just, like, let you fall in when you were fighting the boss, and then you would know. Like, I think it's cheap to, like, have you just fall right into it. Well, I agree to some extent. I think it also is, because it doesn't do that much damage, I think it is there just But you so can get you, you know. just stuck in it. Yeah, that's like, the part like that I did. My like first about time it. in, I think I just fell into the, and died <laughs> because I couldn't get out. Okay. And wouldn't like, you rather have good. that experience the first time and not like the third time when you've been meticulously avoiding falling in? True. And then you get really close to meeting the boss and get knocked in, and then you're just like, <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. I still don't like it. Is there no notable losses other than that that we're missing? Frankly, this is like most of what I remember. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the same. I had forgotten yeah. about the, uh, the, like... The stalk creature? No, I, I didn't forget about him. The, the Mega Man boss, yeah, like the yeah. first boss. Yeah. The Mole Man. Until uh, you brought him up, so I'm also in the same boat there. Okay. There's just a lot of bosses. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to... I have one other note, and I feel like I don't, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I don't know if there's other things you guys wanted to say. Depends on what your note is. 
I the last note that I took is just and thus we taught the computer to love. Oh, good. I'm glad you went there. I really am. So of all the things in this game that I like, yeah, the introduction of a more like overtly apparent narrative mm-hmm. is really not something that I like about this game. It was an explicit goal. I think it's aged very badly. I can agree. Like I kind I liked it for like most of the game, and then like towards the end when they tried to like wrap it up, it kind of got corny and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. With your like callback friend animals helping yeah, you program the so guy. Yeah, so dumb. So dumb. Yeah, we got stuff. They the programmed what's a, what's the AI. And ec- <laughs> like, is that what they were implying? Yes, that's what they were implying. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. What? Say again? You remember at the very end of the game when the animals when they start the, the ship? ship? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did more than start the ship. They also moved the AI to the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense that perfect all sense. the animal creatures could just program the AI. Just I don't think they moved the, the AI open up the fucking command console, just... I, wait, why wouldn't she have the AI on her ship in the first place? I thought, I thought that the AI was part of the oh, station. It's, it's taking orders for... Orders, it's taking command line inputs from, like, headquarters. It's something that's associated with the Federation. Presumably, it would have already been in the ship's computer. <laughs> It's possible. It's possible. I don't think it's possible. I think that that is explicitly well, true. Because <laughs> the thing that she calls out is, you have to manually start the ship. Not, why is this AI suddenly, then, like, that would be way more startling but, to her but, if that was not there before. But then, why did, like, the AI suddenly change personalities? Right, that's the part that I take because issue Because they reprogrammed with. him? No, not because <laughs> they reprogrammed him. Apparently, if you read the, the end of Crawl... <laughs> <laughs> the Ectatunes did not fucking reprogram. <laughs> I forget what it's like Ectatunes and like It's Ekans. They had a baby. So if you read the end crawl, what happened was the AI was actually like the mind of Adam. But why Jensen did... from Deus Ex? No. Um Yeah, it was Adam supposed to be Adam Malkovich. 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 Yeah. For it, like, his brain uploaded to the computer. And the way that they, like, announce that is so bad, because she's like, I didn't know until today that it was a common practice yeah, but like, to upload the minds <laughs> of great military and scientific leaders. Well, that's not supposed how, to be the reveal. But, like, how did... What was with the sudden personality shift, then? Because like, I think it's work. because it, it was like, already like it's, she called it Adam to begin with. No, okay. she, no, she didn't, and that's she? that's why it's not good. They did a lot of. <laughs> so that's, why, that's not the only reason it's yeah. not good. I know, I know. I thought that she started calling him that. Nope, that's she only the did problem. it in the internal monologue. Right, she never said it aloud. The reveal uh, was supposed to be when she lets it slip that she says Adam, and then he goes. Who is Adam? And then they have the conversation. Right. And it's supposed to be a, like subtle and implied that he remembers who he is, and that's supposed to be the catalyst for the change. That's dumb. It is dumb. There's lots of by the standards of 2002 video games, this was acceptable to above acceptable. Yeah. And it is it is no longer really been the case because they tried to do subtle things with this like a couple of times, even though the writing was also really really bare bones. I took some screenshots early on because I'd forgotten how bad and just sort of like stilted and straightforward all Samus's monologues were in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty boring. Yeah, that, it was Dry stuff. not a lot of interest. I think what they were going for is that they were trying to set up this what you thought would be friendly AI 
and then over the course of the game, try and give you really subtle hints that the AI wants you dead. Right, I picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they just decided to left field turn it because they thought that that would... I, I don't know. I thought that would be good storytelling or something. I mean, they, they, they hit the time if to they, get the first, like, Samus-shocked cutscene expression right. for literally two seconds. Right. Like, if they had signaled that better, like, what they were actually going for, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, the but problem man, is, did I not understand why he changed personality. Right. Like, you called really it Adam thing. for... You called it Adam in your head for so long when yeah. you're playing through the game that it doesn't... That the reveal moment that's supposed to be like, oh, she let it slip that he's Adam doesn't actually trigger for right. real. Right. It's... This is just, like, an issue with the writing because, like, what's supposed to be like... <gasps> it ends up being like... What? Okay, hold on. Like... Mm, Alright, I guess that makes okay, sense. Okay, like... like she, <laughs> I, I didn't... I, I, I put that together that she never called him that out loud... But I did not understand at all why that was significant. Yeah, it's right. shocking to her because it's what they're what they were trying to imply weirdly too subtly, which is a rare video game problem. Is that like <laughs> that's the moment she's like, "Oh shit, this isn't like similar to Adam. This is literally Adam right. in a computer." And also, um, okay, from our like descriptions of other Metroid games that we've played, uh, you may notice that conspicuously absent from that list for all of us, is Other M. Yeah. And I believe that this is in some way a callback to that. It's not a callback, because this was way... This was years before Other M. This was console generations uh, before Other yeah, M. Yeah, Other M came out in, like, 2013. Yeah, Other M was a, oh, Other uh, M was a Wii game. Oh. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was a GameCube game, which would have made it a contemporary but, of this. No. But yeah. people liked that, like, implied story of this game, of, like, a history with Adam, uh, that they made it the topic of Other M. So, uh, the... The character of Adam Malkovich was created already dead. Yeah, yeah. For this game. That's yeah. one of the weird thing, is that the monkeys and stuff are really? called back is that to Super Metroid. The... Right, yeah. But but Adam isn't. To a first timer, it reads like a callback, which I think is actually might be a strength. Because it makes you feel like it's more part of the implied narrative, not if yeah. you don't have any familiarity. I feel with it. a little bit cheated now that I know that it isn't a callback to something. But yeah, it's it's completely not at all that Adam created like for that. this game. I didn't see it. It makes it feel more I don't know, authentic? Maybe? Yeah, it like gels well. Yeah. And like you they like slipped it in with all the other references. But there were the there was the like whole a... the whole narrative is based around this character that didn't exist before. And like just like weird things that she says in the narrative internally that are supposed to be like dialogue from her, uh, doesn't it doesn't make any sense because the character didn't exist. It's like just it's like if I took a, a current episode of a sitcom and had the characters talk about a character that died that was never involved. That ca- that does not make that guy a character on the sitcom. That's just a dude that they talked about. Well, the point is, <laughs> Adam is a dude that it was talked about. The AI is the character. They weren't trying to do it in a sitcom. They were trying to do it in like an isolationist, weird, moody, subtle atmosphere. Like, there's totally ways you could do introductions like that in dramas, for example, where you're sure, constantly but... referencing characters, like, sort of in a hushed tone that, yeah, like, used like, to exist that's with like reference. A, that's like, uh, this pro- it probably is a, there's like a trope, but like, where <laughs> you introduce a character and you have him have them have, like, an implied backstory with another character, like, that kind of thing's done all the time. But they did it badly because the writing was bad. I guess. They, they yeah, I think that's the problem. It doesn't come through because the writing is so bare. Yeah. I don't think it's bad in and of itself. Like, I think the person who wrote up the abstract story for this game probably did a good job, and the person who went <laughs> line by line and went through it, potentially even the U.S. Did trans- the best they could. <laughs> yeah. Potentially yeah. even, maybe some of this falls on the U.S. translation team in 2002. Mm. But Yeah, that's... 
probably has something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. It's what? just things like like him saying a lady are uh, That's like, just supposed to be a cue for you to realize that he's now... That he's changed the personality, but it's so fucking dumb. It was 2002, <laughs> man. Yeah. I know. And it was a Game Boy Advance game. But it also is a Metroid game, which could have very easily gotten away with just not doing this. Yeah. I know, but this was one of their explicit goals. Yeah, it's like, Nintendo does that kind of stuff with sequels a lot, actually. Well, like I think they Zelda learned their lesson with this Mario one. Brothers 2. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't, because they made Metroid Other M. They didn't well, learn right. lesson at all. But they made Metroid Other M. They after they made the, some... Team Ninja. Who, yeah, Team Ninja make it. Or was it was t- or Retro Studios? Retro made the no. Prime Trilogy. Okay, yeah. Retro and Prime... Nin- Team yeah, Team Ninja, Ninja did at yeah. Other M. Yeah. yeah. Which oh, is you know what I mean? Team Ninja is a respectable... Oh, yeah, they, they can company. make it... Yeah, but oh, yeah. they should not have been handed Metroid. No. no. There's not um, a lot of subtlety in Team Ninja's work. No. no. As no. given by the name Team, Team Ninja. Ninja. <laughs> Dude, my story hole uh, that I thought was sort of a, a writing problem, uh, I really did not like... Pretty much everything after you start the countdown to col- like put the ship onto a collision course. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't like Omega Metroid's final thing. Mm. I don't know and don't like why the SAX saves your ass all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> I I do like the build-up to that, though, where you go to the secret sector and, like, the SAX is just, like, blowing up the Metroid breeding facility. Yeah, that was my favorite <laughs> linear sequence in the game. That's awesome. That's that's a great example of, like, Super Metroid-styled storytelling. We were just going through a zone, and then all the information is revealed to you piecemeal in the environment. You yeah. get there, you see, like, the four-blocked room that has, like, a regular Metroid, and then it transforming into all of its stages of development. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the end, and start going through rooms, and you, get, you hear an explosion, run back, and all hell's fucking broken loose, and you mm-hmm. have to escape. All storytelling in these games used to be like that. But uh, I think the SAX isn't saving you. It's It's fighting the the Omega Metroid because it's it's like its enemy. Right. Then why does it absorb you this time? Well, it just like like, it gets killed again, and you just happen to be able to do it. I don't. Yeah, it's like you know, you got killed a second time. He's real tired. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you really you like kill a regular enemy. And you'll like jump to get the blob, and it'll fly, and it just like goes and becomes a different, bigger fish. Yeah, Uh, that is, I think, what I mean. That is the the cheap mechanical explanation. Yeah, and I think if you're playing it like the first time, you might not even like notice it's any different than that. The only reason that it's also so prominent to me is that it's such a clear, like, just constant callback to the ending of Super Metroid. I I say I don't, I don't know the ending of Super Metroid. Spoilers for Super Metroid. have it spoiled, I might play it now. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> You'll but, like uh, it, I think. Um, no, it just felt like... It felt like, A, they just wanted a set-piece thing there. It not did. even, like, a boss, really. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted the pressure on the time limit. And yeah. that was, like, the only way to do it was to give you an enemy to fight. I almost always like time limits in these games. I like... That was, I guess... I guess at, it's sort of a weird epistemic question of what I meant by, like, after the time limit thing here. Because, like, it was tense at the end there. Even though I didn't find the boss enjoyable, like, I, I got got into the ship and left with literally four seconds left. And, like, that was cool. I honestly have never paid attention to the time limit in that section and didn't know that it was possible to fail. I don't know if it is either, but yeah. I, I got out at four seconds. Right. So. I think I had 30 minutes. I feel like the time limit thing is a... It is the, like, series trademark of too many things. 
at this is point. Because me- every Metroid game ends with a countdown and a and, and like to something blowing it, up. It really just fits Metroid, though. Right. But I also think. every Resident Evil game ends with a countdown. Uh, I wouldn't know that. Every Halo game ends with a countdown. I also wouldn't know Every that. Metroid game does not end with a countdown, even though a, a number of them do. Right. Prime doesn't end with a countdown. Okay. Are you sure? I'm 100% positive. I can just Is it Prime 2? Prime 2 ends with a countdown. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah. And Prime 3? does also does not prime 3 also does not the countdown so prime 2 metroid super metroid metroid fusion and by extension metroid zero mission yeah all in canada agree it's the majority okay metroid zero mission ends with canada and then you do a second like bonus (laughs) section but that's not neither here nor there right it's just Uh, i feel like it's too much of a thing yeah i liked that countdown and i liked that whole like actual good storytelling sequence with the Super Metroid fucking up the regular... Or the, with the pretty SAX stupid. fucking up the Metroids. Yeah, that was really good. Random thing that I just thought while I was playing the end of the game. Yeah. I really hate Samus's spaceship. <laughs> in this game? In every Metroid game that I've seen it. But they're they almost always, always different spaceships. They always have like a similar look. They though. have a similar like uh, motif. It's like they this were like... This one looks like more organic for because of the aesthetic of the yeah, game. Yeah, it's like it. it's like they told the like the artist like, uh, like make it look kind of like her armor or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which like... is even more true in this game because her armor looks more organic. Yeah, right? and it's like that's what the ship looks like. It's like the helmet... Yep. With, like, the shoulders. That's what it looks like in every game. And it just stapled some rockets yeah, to the it back looks of so it. Dumb. it down like, I love the visual design in Metroid. The ship looks stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another random thought, I guess. Um, they do a thing in this game that I think they had an opportunity to do that they haven't in previous Metroid games. I feel like they don't do it enough, though. Occasionally, if you kill an enemy, the thing will, like go into a second one and create a bigger enemy, but then in even rarer occasions, sometimes it will create, like, a new form of enemy. So, like, when you kill a fish in Aqua and it goes into a space pirate, it becomes, like, a mer space pirate <laughs> right. fish, man. Yeah. And I feel like that should have happened, like, way more often. Yeah, like, like the, all the time. The, yeah, <laughs> like, that was cool enough that it should have been It's like a fusion game. theme. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like something that was an incomplete that someone late had a really, had a really good design choice for, but they were like, oh no, how many sprites do we have to make to implement this? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that yeah, would have added a, a lot of, like, good development to the X. Because as is in the game, the X, like, the narrative treats the X as, like, a distinct, unified threat, but you, as the player, never do. Right, you treat it like the little missiles and circle pickups in Metroid. Yeah, they're almost <laughs> indistinguishable, other than times when it's very narratively explicit called out to you, like the, like the blue frozen ones that right. hurt you with ice. But, yeah, there were just very rarely hints of times when the enemies literally fused using the X, and that would have added a lot of personality to them. Yeah, plus I would love to see... Man, if this was like a, a current game that existed purely for the exploration of that concept by itself. I would love to be able to, like, say, kill an enemy in an area and then kite the X into a different area to, like, spore creature creator, like, some (laughs) other thing out of it. That would be, like, miraculously cool. All right, artists, you've got this combination of two of these, one of those. 
It's like a freaking actual. Let me. I think we should pot. just hard limit it to two different things. Like <laughs> oh, when you said sport creature, card, I thought you were like you're just mixing and matching oh, like no. six things. <laughs> I just mean like you pick your two favorite and kite the X to another one and put them together. I think getting to the fact that we got to this point that we're probably done with this. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. I'll say. Uh, being someone who wasn't a fan of Metroid before, I found this game a lot more accessible. It absolutely so is. So, I guess if you're like me and have always thought Metroid seemed cool, but weren't able to get into it, try this one. Yeah. I think that... Because, like, I now want to try the others again. Right. Because, I mean, it's been years since I tried to play a Metroid game, so... That's, uh... I think, and I, I don't want to speak for you if this isn't the case, but I think part of the reason that I was excited about doing Fusion was specifically because it is, like, it is the ideal, like, entry point into the series if you're somebody who's just never played one before. Because playing, the same with Legend of Zelda, like, playing the NES original version is, like, so hard to do. Like, not only do you have to, like, find an emulator to play the game, get, like, a virtual console version or something. But additionally, it's just a difficult game that has no signaling at all. I've heard some people on that line talk about, like, the holy grail of Zero Mission, because Zero Mission has never been re-released on anything virtual console or otherwise that I know of. Really? Yeah, it's like, maybe my information's outdated because I don't, like, visit, you know, Metroid forums or something. (laughs) But... At last that I heard, it was impossible to play Zero Mission outside of the cart, but lots of people used to like recommend it as like, oh, your first Metroid game, get Zero Mission. See, I've played some of Zero Mission. I don't remember if it was your copy or if I bought it yeah. somewhere. I don't remember. Um, I definitely still have a, a Game Boy Advance cart of Zero Mission. And it was the same thing for me like as with all other Metroids. Yeah. I just played it a couple hours and was like, eh. Then your opinion matters the most, and I'll probably fall in line here about linearity of this and explicit direction it felt more like it had a proper like difficulty curve and like it it started you out like you hadn't played a metroid game before and i feel like every other metroid game starts out like you've played a metroid game before (laughs) like i feel like this game explains itself a bit better signals things a bit better and like ramps the difficulty better yeah because um and i'd say that at least in uh in Metroid on the NES, it does have... It has a decent difficulty curve, though they did sort of... Because the way that this game sort of blocks you off from things, uh, if you can't... If, like, if you're not at the point where you should be going there, Metroid had a habit of blocking you off from things, but then also putting that thing that is blocking you at the end of, like, a long room full of enemies that will kill you instantaneously. <laughs> so you'll, like, wander into it and be like, oh, oh, jeez, yeah. and then die, and then because it had a password system, either have to write down a password that's, like, 14 characters long, or just quit playing forever and, and be like, I'm done with video games, fuck this thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zero Mission, of course, also solves that issue. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure. They didn't implement a password system <laughs> on their Game Boy Advance. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, we're going to talk about Dark Souls some more. We're going to be talking about Bloodborne. <laughs> Uh, which I think we get a free pass to talk about Dark Souls on the Bloodborne episode. I agree. Yeah. So uh, hopefully Dan doesn't drink himself into a coma. 
this is your advanced warning. We gave you like little sprinklings throughout this episode to build up your alcohol tolerance. So. Yeah. Uh, if you, until then, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, all of our contact information is on noclippodcast.com, specifically email noclippodcast at gmail.com. And uh, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And uh, now I'm going to have to embarrassingly admit something to JJ and Andy that I didn't realize until uh, the Guitar Hero episode came out that we are we're not on Google Play Music. So if you had an Android phone, you couldn't listen to the podcast. Good job. But, thank you. But here on episode 32, uh, we finally, finally got in there. A year and a half now. I had to copy and paste a link and press one button. <laughs> I mean, but who uses an Android? Phone? Yeah. Yeah, probably about 50% of the population. Yeah, we've really kicked it into second gear now, guys. We're, we're This is along. the point where we yeah. turn it all around. <laughs> we've kicked it into neutral. We were in reverse before. <laughs> Maximum neutral. <laughs> we can push. Which one is the last the upside? Yeah, yeah, we need to get out and push. Okay. It's going to be you, Andy. It's going to be you. I'm going to sit in the car. No. You got to help. Okay. All right. See you guys later. Chad Solo. Alright. That was representative of how we talk. Yeah. I think this already seems too loud. Uh it in fact seems louder than before I turned it down.